Hello, and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. For this episode, I decided to uh, interview an actor who has sent me requests for about 20 films now, uh, mostly short films. Uh, he's based out of New York, and his name is Timothy J. Cox. Some of the films I've reviewed that you may have seen of his are Hellbent, Total Performance, and Mail Time. And it was my pleasure to uh, talk to him on a Saturday night about his career, about his life, and uh, what it's like to be an actor. So please welcome Timothy J. Cox. One of the things that has happened on Sonic Cinema over the past uh, 10 years now has been uh, filmmakers and actors and producers uh, sending me movies with um, interest in getting them reviewed, whether it was a movie they were in, movie they were made, or just uh, something they uh, wanted to bring to my attention uh, that somebody else made. And uh, one of those people who've been, without doubt, the most prolific is... Uh, an actor from uh, New York uh, who's been in or associated with at least uh, 16 movies that I've reviewed like this over the years. Uh, his name is uh, Timothy J. Cox, and I'm pleased to be uh, talking to him tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure. Okay. Well, one of the things... I, uh, I did a uh, print interview with you uh, last year and I tried to I when I was thinking of the questions uh for this this interview session I didn't really want to go over too many uh I didn't want to do too much of the same thing that I already went over but the first thing I, so the first thing I would like to ask you is uh when did you realize that you wanted to do acting for a living well I I guess that first moment I got on stage, which was probably in the eighth grade, um, it, this was weird. I don't know any school that ever has ever done this. I'm sure they don't do it now. They actually had auditions for the play during the school day. So me and everyone in the school were just auditioning for the play to get out of class. I, I, was, getting, I was auditioning to get out of math class, which I hated. And uh, never thinking in a million years that... Uh, I would get cast. I never had aspirations to be an actor. I had a typical, you know, upbringing as a kid. I wanted to be play sports and things like that. wasn't very good at it. And I got cast in the male lead. It was a musical version of like an old Henry story, The Gift of Magi. Hmm. And from that, it was really the first time I heard that audience laughter, that live reaction. And I thought, wow, that's, I kind of like that. And then, you know, when I get to high school and, you know, you do theater and things like that, and it was probably uh, college when, uh, and even then I was playing uh, character roles and like, you know, Shakespeare pieces and things like that. And I thought, this is it. I'm, I'm an actor. There was never, you know, I thought, like, well, I, no doubt about it. The moment that, the more I did it, the more I just felt, well, I'm an actor. Right. Okay. And, um... uh, and been doing it ever since. <laughs> uh well what was uh tell me a little bit about your background uh just just in general uh sort of like your your life uh before and after uh you started acting sure uh i was born in philadelphia 
my parents, uh, who are now retired there in Ocean City, Maryland, now I have uh, three brothers. And uh, I am probably the only person in my entire family, not only who has done anything in the performing arts, but anything even related to public speaking. Um, you know, like, uh, so, and I was always kind of a ham as a kid, you know, like, you know, mo movies have always been a part of my life. So uh, my brothers joke now that I was an actor years before I even decided to become <laughs> one. And I had a pretty typical uh, childhood uh, growing up. I, I did the majority of my growing up in, uh, in Wilmington, Delaware. And, uh, you know, I played sports. Um, I was a pretty good mimic of, like, you know, trying to do, you know, like the Joe Montana pose and things like that. Uh, but I was a, I was a horrible athlete. And uh, I, I think on, in the basketball team, I was a professional uh, bench rider. But uh, that, I was a, uh, I was an okay student. Um, you know, I, I, I think before the days of like uh, ADD, you know, I would be a, a student that the teachers would say, "Oh, Tim's a great student." Just every once in a while, he he drifts into <laughs> his imagination. So, um, but when I got into acting and when I got into the theater, and you know, when you're memorizing scripts and things like that, uh, I became a better student because, you know, you, I, you when you're memorizing, of course, it's completely different type of memorizing than historical facts and things like that, but you train your brain in such a way that um, things just kind of started to stick to me, uh, stick with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I, became, so I became a better student as a result of uh, becoming uh, an actor. And um, after high school... I went to a small liberal arts college in Marietta, Ohio, which is uh, close to Parkersburg, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I went and auditioned for a, uh, a scholarship there and won the scholarship. And uh, for the first time, the, you know, I mean, from Wilmington, Delaware to Marietta, Ohio, it's about five, 600 miles away. So I was really on my own for the first time. I mean, of course, my parents and my family have always been very supportive in every possible way. Mm -hmm. But... Going away to college like that was—I'd um, highly recommend it. If you know, if you are going to go to college, go as far away from home as you can because you learn about where you're going to fall on your face a lot, and um, you know you don't have that safety blanket of just being able to go home whenever you want. So I, I learned a lot during those years, and of course I was able to get on stage and you know learn a lot as an actor. But I, I was able to grow as a person, which you know I think that's important. Uh, in the development of an actor's film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I would, I, I was a music major myself, so I mean, I, I know just how, uh, I know just how important the, uh, the arts can be as far as uh, being able to, being able to improve our capacity to learn as well as um, uh, getting ourselves ready for, uh, for just uh, more critical thinking as well as. Uh, intellectual stimulation. Oh, sure. You yeah. grow up pretty fast. Mm -hmm. You grow up, and, um, you know, you make mistakes, but that's when you want to make them. And, uh, you know, of course... And so I graduated from college, and I went back home to Delaware, and I worked for maybe about a, maybe about a year and a half, uh, you know, saving money. And then I was working at a, um, at a community theater in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, and I was kind of tinkering with the idea of moving to New York. 
Because when I graduated from college, I had done all of this theater, but it never occurred to me as, as graduation day came, oh my God, what am I going to do? I, <laughs> I, knew I, wanted to, I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I knew that um, Los Angeles at the time just wasn't something I thought about because I honestly, I didn't think that I was going to be, uh, do anything associated with film or television because, you know, I'm, I'm five foot six and a half. I'm a supporting actor. I've, I've been playing that, you know, since I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it immediately, you often think that, uh, I'm a stage actor. I'm a cat. If I was going to do, you know, Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen and things like that, I'd be a happy guy for the rest of my life doing, you know, putting on fake noses and wigs and things like that. And so that's basically how I thought about it. And then I moved to New York in February of 2001, uh, maybe a couple of months before 9-11 happened, and I moved out to Astoria, Queens, and uh, hit the ground running and, uh, you know, auditioning, doing a lot of theater. And I would say maybe for the first almost 10 years of New York, um, I did exclusively theater with an occasional student's film that, you know, that would kind of creep in, but uh, I was never happy with the experiences because mm-hmm. you know, when, you come, when you come from the theater, I mean, you know, you're, if you're doing a comedy or something like that, you know, if you, know, you get your instantaneous laughter and then, you know, you come back and you do the show again, whereas with film... It's the repetition and a lot of uh, kind of monotonous, a lot of sitting around waiting for, you know, lighting, for sound, for and all of that. So uh, at first it was um, it was an adjustment to deal with, but you know now, I mean, in the last five or six years, um, it's it's really been almost exclusively uh, film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just started I just started a rehearsal on a play. And that's the first, it's going to be the first play that I've done in about two years. But uh, mm-hmm. I love both. But um, it's amazing just how I, I'm. I guess I'm the kind of guy that I, who rides the wave. You know, go wherever the wind takes him. And over the last couple of years, the wind has pushed me more towards uh, film work and especially short films and web series and things like that. And uh, you know, just try to keep busy as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, with that, um, what, what would you, I was, you know, I was going to ask you some of the differences between, uh, film and TV, and we've kind of already, and in the, uh, in the written interview, I sort, I already asked you sort of like which one, you know, which, I believe I sort of asked you which do you prefer, film or theater, and it was about, I think it was about 50-50 with you, or, yeah, and it, it just kind of depends. there, yeah. Uh, what would you, yeah, what would you say, uh, has doing theater and doing film, other than the frequency, has anything changed in, uh, doing theater for the past 15 years or so versus doing film for the past 15 years, other than sort of the frequency of it? You know, um, I, you become a different actor. I think, uh, you know, you, I remember, you know, when I would first, you know, I would do theater in college or when I first come to New York, you would get just so excited that I would, I'm a speed demon, so I would just like breeze through lines and, uh, you know, and sometimes people would be like, you can't really understand what you're saying. So now, I mean, I've got, I consciously, 
you know, to try to be in a place of complete relaxation. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, and I'm a much different actor than I was uh, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. And that's the beauty of like doing film more theater is that um, I've grown. And hopefully, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about this profession is that it's a profession where you never stop learning. I mean, I think. I think John Gilgood was in his 90s, and somebody asked him, it's the question that is, that they had always, you paint yourself this corner, like, what is acting? And he said, I'll be damned if I know. <laughs> and that's, and that's, I think that's why we keep doing it. I mean, and like, it's, and it's, you never reach a point where no actor is ever 100% happy with a performance, or they always wish they could have another rehearsal, another take, another mm-hmm. what have you. And that's kind of the fun in doing it. I've learned to really appreciate and enjoy the process, um, and I and it is a process, and it's the kind of. I mean, I was just we were, I was working on a movie in Times Square the other day, and uh, we're filming right in the heart of Times Square with all the noise and all the characters. And 15 years ago, I would have, you know, I would have been like, you, you get nervous and kind of jittery. Now it's all just kind of like that. It's that it's going to disturb and distract you. Mm-hmm. Now it's all, it's just part of the job. And, you know, you have to kind of block out a lot of this uh, outside elements and just focus on, you know, the work. And really a lot of that comes from um, the energy of the set, the other actors and things like that. So, Well, um, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, what, what exactly is, uh, what, what, what is the, uh, what, what sort of entails the uh, sort of the life of an actor? I mean, we've already we've all seen in like film and TV and stuff like that before the cliche of oh well, it's like you know working at a diner to you know and going occasionally on auditions and stuff like that. What, what is could, that sort I of? I wish I could work at a diner. I wish I could. <laughs> in, in movies and, and things like that, I mean, of course, there's the old thing where you know don't come to town and. They would immediately get a job as a, a waiter or a bartender. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a very Hollywoodized uh, <laughs> version of things. I mean, uh, now I think you know you you need a, a full blown, at least in New York or Chicago or any place like that, you need a full blown like distinguished resume to work as a bartender. <laughs> you got to go to school for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, for the last ten years, I have you know in between jobs, I have worked as a, uh, a tour guide. Uh, in New York and in D.C., and, I mean, I'll be in D.C. for the inauguration, and um, I've tensed as well. I mean, I've done every horrible, awful office job, I think, on, on the planet, and it's, and, because uh, I, I was, I'm not a good bartender, I, hopefully, I, I was a leader back in Delaware, and I was terrible at it, and, um, but the typical life, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you have to, you're a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Now, what that means what that means is that um, you have to find something to pay the bills, um, whether that's temping, uh, you know, marketing and stuff like that, whether that's bartending, whether that's tour guide work, because, you know, there's a lot of times where you're an actor. You might work a lot, but you, it's very hard to make a living at it. Right. So, but for me, it's, um, the nice thing about tour guide work is that in the spring and it's often in the fall as well, I make enough money. And, of course, my wife is a, uh, a freelancer as well. She's a nanny. She's a videographer. 
photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a, a side business. So, you know, we definitely, um, it is a little bit of a uh, living check, check, but uh, we don't feel like, you know, poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, we're not, I mean, it's really, uh, you know, the life of an actor. If, if you can cut out things that you don't need. In New York, if you don't need a car, don't have one. Like, that you don't have to worry about insurance, gas, tickets, things like that. So that's an expense that goes right out the window right there. Um, all of that, of course, will change if, you know, if, you're, if you get married and you have a family and things like that. Um, but um, it's really, uh, it's a life of um, not extravagance, but, uh, you know, you, you kind of just, it, it's an adventurous life. I think mm-hmm. that's the way I can do it. There's a great line, uh, and I don't know if I, it, 10 years ago, I believe, there's a great line in the film and play, uh, The Drifter. To be an actor, you have to give up what some people would call a life. <laughs> I, I kind of like, I kind of like to amend that and say what, what people consider a conventional life. You know, you go to work, you do the nine to five, you know, you, uh, that kind of thing. Um, actors do do that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just do it. They just do it a little differently. You might have uh, down periods there, and you have to, you know, roll up your sleeves and you know do uh, temp jobs or uh, catering jobs or, or some stuff that you may not want to do. But uh, you know, we uh, there's a motto in my house with my wife and I. It's, it's called struggle and survival, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of uh, kind of like a, it's like the cost crest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we, uh, but, uh, you know, I, you go out every day. I mean, ideally, every actor would love to be able to wake up tomorrow and go to a film set or go to a Broadway stage and, um, you know, rehearse and get paid and make nice, make nice money. Um, I would love that. Uh, the reality is, is that um, there are more actors out there, and not just in New York, but everywhere, then there are jobs. And the mm-hmm. casting directors would love to be able. Every actor goes into a room, they're on the side of that table, and they would love to be able to give you a job. Um, it's just there's not enough jobs for all of the, uh, the actors. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, um, you know, I mean, I, uh, I, always, I keep my chin up. Because when you're, I guess, I guess it's a supporting actor mentality. When you're a supporting actor, that next job is always around the corner. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of your uh, favorite films? What have your favorite films over have uh, been over the years? You said you basically uh, watch movies from a very early age. Oh yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's funny with the seventy fifth anniversary of, of Citizen Kane coming up. You know, there was something that a friend of mine on Facebook were were saying, and of course, Citizen Kane is considered the best film or uh, best American film, I should say, of all time, and. It, a marvelous film. I mean, of course, the innovation. I applaud him, Orson Welles, for all he went through in making the film. Mm-hmm. But, for, but for me, um, the movie that is just absolutely perfect in every possible way, from the cinematography to the acting to the music to the coloring, it's The Godfather. And from the, I, I mean, from the moment I first saw that movie, which you know, when my parents would, would go out to dinner or something like that, my uncle Mike would, you know, he'd come and he'd babysit me and my youngest brother, and he used to have the old RCA video disc. Mm-hmm. And he would watch the Godfather. And I would hear that opening, 
the opening scene to the movie, and I thought, what is that? And then I kind of sneaked down and looked, and I'd hear, you know, the first time I'd hear Brando, and I thought, who is this guy who's talking in that, you know, weird voice? And then as I got older, I watched more and more and more and more and more. And to me, it's just a perfect movie. And it's kind of one of those movies that, you know, if you watch, if it's on the television, you're like, oh, I'll watch for like five or ten minutes. And then you mm-hmm. end up watching the whole thing. And then the, the ultimate is that if you find out if, if two is coming on, which is the rarity among sequels. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it meets Casablanca and anything that uh, Bogart did or uh, Spencer Tracy or Jack Lennon or uh, Catherine Hepburn or anything that those guys did. I'm a big fan of, of Brits as well. You know, the English, I mean, like, you know, Alex Guinness and all the the healing comedies like mm-hmm. uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets or anything that Albert Finney has done or Tom Courtney or Vanessa Redgrave. All of that, to me, has been like my education. Like Back in the day, you know, when American movie classics, before Breaking Bad and Mad Men and The Walking Dead, it was just the old movie channel. Yeah. And so what the <laughs> MLC would do, they would have, like if it was Jimmy Cagney's birthday, they would have like five or six of his films in a row. And so they would have that for him or for Audrey Hepburn or Fred Astaire or anyone like that. And that was how, like, you know, I, in many ways, of course, I went to school for acting, but that was like I uh, went to the university in Hackman or, you know, uh, Albert Finney or Alex And so a lot of the greatest, uh, you know, tips I've gotten from acting has just been from watching and working with other actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what uh, current actors are you uh, probably do you, do you admire the most? Do you enjoy watching the most? Right now, and he is the guy that I think he is this, this my generation's like Gene Hackman, and that's Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. I'm reading his I'm reading his wonderful book right now, Life in Part, and. Um, a lot of, I mean, you know, there are a lot of parallels, like a lot of, like, the upbringing, you know, uh, and just the struggle. I mean, you know, he started out working on a soap opera in 1983, and I remember, you know, like, seeing him pop up on shows like Matlock and Murder, She Wrote, and that Seinfeld, you know, but mm-hmm. it was really Malcolm in the Middle, and then I remember walking through the subway and seeing the poster for this TV show called Breaking Bad, and I thought, the Malcolm in the Middle guy. And I thought it had it, it has to be a comedy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it has some comedic elements, but I mean, and talk about like, you know, I mean, we could talk for hours about that show, but and I think he just turned sixty. He is the living proof that if you stick with it, um, you work hard, you stick with it, that um, you never know what can happen. So, mm-hmm. I mean I mean I think in, you know, in the history of Hollywood, like Gene Hackman was 40 when he got the on the French Connection. Morgan Freeman, I think, was 49 when Driving Miss Daisy and Street mm-hmm. Smart when he, he blew it. And, of course, when Charles Bronson, I think, was 50 when Death Wish, I mean, he became a star. You know, you just, you just never know. But Brian Cranston right now is the guy who's just killing it in every, like, on, on film, on stage, and in television. Mm-hmm. And um, and like good for him because you know you want great actors to uh, to succeed and you know the same thing like whenever I see someone like a Kathy Bates or a Patricia Clarkson or uh, oh God uh, the actress who is in uh, Sarah Paulson who yeah. is just you know everywhere and like it's just wonderful it's 
like all of these actors, all uh, who can play leads, but also they're they're really got their made their mark as uh, character supporting actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.K. Simmons as well. J.K. Simmons, I remember <laughs> 25 years ago, he used to do an ad on the old AMC, <laughs> and it was in like and it was in like a radio kind of like an old time radio thing, and he was like the radio announcer. <laughs> and uh, you know, and of course, like I saw him on stage and. The 1992 revival of uh, of Guys Benny South Street, and like you just guys that you just know, like God, like and you just remember him, and then of course mm-hmm. like Law and Order and Oz and all of the variety of characters. So, I mean, uh, I'm like a champion for for actors, and kind of like you know, because we're all out there, we're all out there looking. Just want we just want the same thing, just to be able to do good work, work with good people, and. Uh, you know, maybe make enough where we, uh, um, you know, can survive. Well, I mean, I one one thing I've noticed over the years. I mean, it's it's always fun to watch one of the movies that you uh, send me with you in it because I mean, it's it it very it comes very naturally for you with uh, the roles you play. I mean, like like you said, you you do tend to play. There is some similarity with a lot of the characters, but at the same time, I mean, there's it's just very entertaining to watch you uh, play in so many different types of movies. Uh, one movie that I reviewed last year, uh, Total Performance, was one that I reviewed very highly uh, that oh, you yeah. sent me. Uh, I think probably my favorite one that you've sent me this year was uh, that the uh, short film Hellbent. And, uh, Hellbent, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I did kind of want to go over a... Uh, I, I kind of wanted to ask you sort of just what uh, the experience was working on some of the movies that you've sent me over, you know, over the years, and in particular some of the ones you sent me uh, this year. So what was it, so what was it like uh, working with Hellbent? What did you think when you first saw the script and all that? The, the script was kind of uh, was fun, and like, I gravitate to those kind of supporting parts. I mean, to me, supporting character roles, I, I equate that with like being the sixth man on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. You come in, score your points, the clutch player, and then you get out of there. And, uh, you know, that character, I mean, is a variation on a character I've, I've sort of played before, but there's a little bit of, like, an actor, you can't resist a role where you get to be... Uh, kind of a, a jerk, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you just get to, you know, like you know, you get to be kind of the boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was funny, you know, that guy. I mean, I was channeling Jason Robards and all the presidents met, but <laughs> I think even I think even he'd make Ben Bradley blush a little bit. So um, it was a bunch. I just worked one day on the film, and uh, it was very you know pleasant. Cast crew were very very nice. And um, the film has gotten a, uh, a really nice uh, reaction, and uh, over the uh, the months that it's been released. Mm-hmm. And one of the other movies that you uh, sent me, you actually have a leading role in, uh, was uh, Mail Time. And oh, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, what was you know? And it's a very it's a silent role. I mean, it's it's all you know. It's like there's very little dialogue in the movie whatsoever. You don't. I don't think you say a word in it. No, it's really, when uh, Sebastian Carrasco, who was the writer-director of the film, I I had submitted for the part, 
and he called me and um, wanted to cast me, and I think there was a scheduling thing, and he uh, he really wanted me for this part. And he had said it's a silent project, and I like you know silent projects like that. I've done a lot of them uh, recently because one, they are really really good acting exercises because. I mean, if you watch countless movies, there are actors who can say a line of dialogue in a look or, um, you know, just like uh, 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 the eyes. I mean, on film, everything is all in the eyes. Mm -hmm. So um, if you can do that, it just makes you a a more well-rounded actor. And um, I I happen to like uh, the idea for the project, like anything having to do with magic is is fun. Mm -hmm. And... um, Sebastian's energy, Bernardo Salazar, who was the DP uh, on the project, they work really well together. We've got to shoot in uh, in Brooklyn, uh, and you know, and it's amazing like how people react to uh, certain projects. Because we shot that in just uh, you know in a morning and an afternoon, and um, put it together, and people really uh, responded to it in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. When I and another movie that you uh, sent me earlier this year was a short film called Dirty Books, which was yes. another really entertaining one. And sort of along the line, your your characters sort of along the lines of uh, Hellbent, where you you play sort of the disciplinarian and the uh, the sort of hard boss in a way. I mean, you're a principal at a school in that one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. But he, uh, now that was an example, that was a really, really solid script that, that Zach Lapierre wrote. And the thing that struck me most about the script was that it was about a, a teenager that, to me, really talked, spoke like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And a teenager, I mean, especially now, I mean, I can only imagine how uh, David Noah's character would react to everything with the election. But um, <laughs> it was a... Um, it was a really smart script, and the thing at first, the character of Doctor Bradley kind of looked like a typical kind of stern disciplinarian. But I think there's a little part of him, and you see that in the end of the film, hopefully, that he kind of admires Dick mm-hmm. for the chutzpah, and that at that final moment, that he kind of he just admires that. Wow, you know, it's nice to see a kid who's fighting for something important. I mean, either it's, it's not about, you know, whether he wins or loses. It's the fact that he's fighting for what he wants. And uh, I, I really connected with the script and with the characters. And that was another one. It was, uh, you know, uh, Ian Everhart, Michael Pooch, uh, uh, Matt Rendini, and Zach Lafriere of Pitchfork Films. They were really just, they were great, uh, you know, just very organized. They all, you know, went to school together. They all worked together so well. Like, there's that, to me, like, you know, a, a, a great set. It's like there's a seamless quality. There's like, a, it's very laid back and relaxed. It's fun. It almost doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. It just feels like you just, you're just sitting there with a couple of, guys, a couple of people uh, and you happen to be making a movie. And to me, I am a firm believer that you make you get the best work when you are in a state of relaxation and ease, and that was in a, that was one of the highlights of, uh, of last year. That total performance was one. Here lies Joe was another one. Here lies Joe, which has been 
you know, I mean, all three of them have been uh, warmly received, and uh, and the parts in there, they were all there was a lot of like variety uh, in the in who the characters were. So uh, mm-hmm. I was thankful to have you know three really good uh, character roles. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you have uh, coming up? Uh, coming up in the uh, future. Well, uh, I just uh, wrapped a um, a short film for uh, actually Penelope Lawson, who directed Enough. Um, it's a movie called Just Sing. It's about a uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. It's about a, a professional telegram singer. <laughs> he has a, like you know a huge passion for performance. And this guy, this poor guy, is played wonderfully by a wonderful actor named uh, Ray Roy. And he has the worst day of his life. And, you know, he, it's just like all of, like, the key questions of, like, his place in the universe. And I play a, an actor who used to also work at, at the Telegram Singer, who has then gone on to have a little success. And we bump into each other on the street. And, uh, you know, that's the typical kind of awkwardness of, like, you know, when people who bump into each other, you know, one who has, who's, who's offended and one who is kind of, you know, standing still of where they've been. So I uh, just worked on that on Thursday, and that was a blast. Uh, Psychic Murder, which is a... Uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing this film. This is the movie I went to uh, Baltimore to work on. It was written and directed by uh, Brandon Block. Hmm. And, and the best way I can describe this movie is that it's, uh, it's David Lynch territory. <laughs> like, very surreal... Very, um, you know, it's comic, it's odd, it's dramatic, it's kind of mysterious. And what it's about, it's about a, a comic who, um, at this night at this comedy uh, club, he's targeted by this kind of ruthless talent agent, play. And it was the fans kind of wonder, is he going to make his career for his life? And uh, it's a different kind of part for me because it, it's kind of... Uh, it, it's, it's out there, so I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing that uh, with you and with uh, other, uh, your brethren, your, your critics' <laughs> brethren, when it's uh, ready. And uh, I have another film that, uh, called And On That Day, and it's, it's written and produced and directed by a New Jersey filmmaker, John Henry Soto, really one of the great energetic uh, forces that I've met in the last uh, couple of years. And it's a, I play kind of a, you know, a boss, there's a, a gentleman in a real estate office who is retiring after 30 years, and, and he's a, an underappreciated guy, and um, people are, you know, getting in his gold watch, and he just chooses on this day to say all of the things that we all wish that we could say <laughs> in an office setting to people who have wronged us or anything like that. So uh, Henry Packer is going to play the lead in that. He's, he's, he's going to be great. So uh, we're going to be working on that, hopefully at the start of the, uh, the new year. And then lastly, um, I have this play. Uh, it's called The Big Uncut Flick. I wish you were in the city to see it because I think you'd get a kick out of it. It's a, uh, it's a company that I've worked with a couple of times over the years, Gracie Productions, and uh, it is a parody of uh, movies from the 1920s and 30s, especially <laughs> movies like The Roaring Twenties and The Front Page and Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> and um, so that's going to be going up at Theater Row Studios on 42nd Street uh, for the first three weeks in December. 
And uh, so I play like a police lieutenant in that, and I also play like uh, kind of the bad guy mobster. So hopefully I'll try <laughs> to channel Spencer Tracy and Pat O'Brien for the cop role, and maybe a little Edward G. Robinson for the, uh, the mobster. I mean, you know, to say like dialogue, you know, like that they would have back in those old Warner Brothers movies from the 20s and 30s, I mean, that's just, <laughs> an actor can't pass that up. Oh, no, I can't imagine why. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I, I definitely wish. Uh, yeah, I definitely wish I was uh, in 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 New York for that. And I'm definitely gonna be uh, on the lookout for the movies that you uh, mentioned because all all of those projects sound pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what I try to do. Like, you know, you try to go out and you you try to have as much variety in the kinds of, of projects. And I mean, I, I think I sent you Gary from accounting. Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet, yeah, but uh, I, I definitely, I definitely will be in the next uh, week or two. So. Sure, that's the project that uh, I think I worked on that uh, this past spring, and uh, that was fun. And uh, you know, uh, Shirality Films and TV Torres, like wrote like this really, really uh, darkly comic script. <laughs> uh, so it was fun to do, and had, had a great uh, group of actors. I mean, that's what, you know, you just want to stay busy as much as possible because, uh, it, you know, to any actors out there, you know, if you wait by the phone, or it, it's not going to happen. You have to be relentless. You have to, yeah, if you want to be an actor, you got to go out and, and you got to go get it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, it's, it's not an easy life, but uh, how I've navigated through all of it and how I've... Uh, I've done things for me. I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely been it's definitely been a pleasure to watch all of the uh, movies that you've seen over the years. Whether you know whether I've loved them like Total Performance or Hellbent, and or ones that it's like eh, I'm not quite yeah. enjoying this yeah. as much. But I mean, overall, I just yeah, it's. And it, I think it's probably. I was sitting there trying to think. I think it's probably been about five or six years. Yeah, it really that has. I've been sending. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I haven't, hopefully I haven't sent you too many calls. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the light. I mean, Dave Ruth's never batted in a thousand. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and that's the thing is, I mean, when I send, uh, you know, the, the movies out to critics and things like that, I mean, making a movie is hard enough. Mm. Uh, what, I, what I hope to accomplish by sending the movie out, I mean, whether the movie gets a positive or a negative reaction, I mean, obviously, you know, don't, you know, you would love the positives, but the fact that the film is getting seen because, you mm-hmm. know, with Vimeo and YouTube and your doc and social media, there are so many movies, shorts and web series and things like that that are out there. Yeah. That so many movies, I mean, of course, I can only imagine how many uh, review requests that you get in, on a weekly basis. It's 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 hard to keep up with uh, with all of them. I mean, it's uh, and I try to. I mean, I you know you build relationships with people over the years, and you know they become hopefully supporters. And not only champions of your work, but like I like to you know like when I sent uh, Numb for Penelope because it's a movie that like this is a movie that needs to be seen because mm-hmm. it's just I mean. Uh, just impressive performances, the, uh, the cinematography, I mean, everything. And that's like, you want everyone to be successful mm-hmm. and have uh, and that support. I mean, you know, now more than ever, we need more 
positive energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, I mean, the fact about it is, no, I don't, I don't think there have been too many films that you've sent me where it's like, eh, I wasn't that big a fan of it. It's like, I, and, and the thing is, it's like when it comes to movies, I tend to be a little bit, I try to be a bit more optimistic. I take, you know, I, I try to take the good with the bad objectively. And, you know, it's like what is working about, focus more on what is working about film as opposed to what is not working. Sure. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is whether, you know, yeah, requests, requests like yours, sometimes they come in pretty fast and furious. Sometimes there's a bit of a lull, which is good because of the fact that I also have a full-time job. I also try to keep up with as many of the other, as many uh, bigger of the bigger movies that as I can, in addition to everything else that life encompasses. Um, sure. And uh, but the fact of the matter is, it's like requests like yours, and I think I've said this in the other interviews that I've done with filmmakers this year for this is it it makes it it's been extremely beneficial whether I like the movie or not because of the fact that ultimately I'm seeing something new and I've seen, I'm seeing something that I wouldn't necessarily have had the opportunity to see and short exactly. films are a big part of that. And so it's like, yeah. I, and it's a lot of short films and it's like, I've really, I've really enjoyed getting to watch so many of those and just really just seeing the way different stories get told on screen and and just the different type of stories that get told on screen. And it's it's just been really fun. I mean I, I definitely uh I, I definitely thank you for uh the time you've put in sending them out. And I mean I I hopefully I can speak with as for the other critics and say that it's definitely something positive for us as opposed to watching the same type of movies that Hollywood puts out day in and day out. <laughs> and uh no, I I really I really appreciate it and I definitely uh I definitely especially and like you said, I mean we've we've been communicating back and forth, you know, this way for about 6 7 years now. And so yeah. and like you said, I mean with like you, I mean I I cultivate relationships with filmmakers and with actors through that and it's been, and so when I see, you know, and when, so when somebody sends me a new film that they've been a part of or they've made, it's, it's like, oh good, I have another thing from them to look forward to. It's, it's right. like if, it's like if your favorite filmmaker, like Scorsese or Spielberg or whoever has a new movie coming out, you get excited. And it's like, yeah, because I mean... of the fact that you, you, know what to expect but at the same time you're not quite sure what to expect so that's that's that, you know keep you uh, yeah keep uh, keep you keep you in suspense <laughs> yeah exactly well and well and you've had uh i mean you've had chris Esper. uh have you had chris Esper on the show or? no uh he he's probably gonna be the next person i talk to i'm looking forward to that one and now chris is another one that uh i mean i and it's funny i don't i mean i don't know chris I mean, chris and i we've traded you know, email messages and stuff like that. And he's, I mean, just from his output. Mm -hmm. of like, and of course, not only as a filmmaker, but now he's a successful author, that he is the kind of person that I like to work with. Like that, because, you know, just, uh, I mean, of course, also, aside from the quality of his films, I mean, you know, his work is amazing. And uh, just, 
his energy and his enthusiasm, his drive. He loves what he does. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of people that, uh, you know, that we have. I mean, and I've been very lucky, Eddie. I mean, I have a long list of people to thank, like, you know, Sean Meehan and I who did Over Coffee and Total Performance and all of that. that we've known each other and we're good friends for, you know, over over five years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Fishport Films guys, I mean, love to work with them again. Mark Battle from uh, with Your Lies Joe. Uh, you know, it is the these are the guys, you know, that they just make, they make quality films. They make good films. They tell unique stories. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if it's something that I am incredibly proud of and I know that it's hard to get out there, you know, get it out to folks like you and Kirk Farnwood over at One Film Fan and, you know, Andrew Buckner at uh, World of Dreams, that, um, again, like I said, even if you don't like the film, um, at least it's seen. And, of course, that, you know, you three especially are so eloquent in your thoughts on everything that even if you do find something that uh, you may not, uh, you know, that you may not have been jazzed about, at least that you present it in an eloquent fashion that, like, well, you know, they, that's, that's an excellent thing. So, mm-hmm. um, again, you know, we're just, uh, I mean, for me, you know, over the years, I've just been very appreciative of the opportunity to, that you guys, that you take on short films, because a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, and of course, you know, I mean, you know, Here Lies Joe, it's been interesting, you know, I've, you know, I mean, it's a 23-minute film, and, you know, it's just, it, people have come back and said, like, well, you know, for a short film, it's, you know, it's, it's excuse me, it's too long, or it's not, it's not long enough, so, yeah, it's been strange, but uh, you just, you just never know, I mean, you know, with sending an email or a message on Twitter, I mean, I figure the worst thing anyone could say uh, is no, but, mm-hmm. uh Thankfully, many, many of the times, uh, you know, uh, people have said yes, and people have, uh, people have enjoyed the, the films I've sent, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm kind of ready to wrap it up. I mean, it, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you, put a uh, voice to, voice to an email after all these yeah, years. Yeah, all of these years, yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, I mean, uh, I'll keep uh, I'll keep plugging away and I'll keep uh, sending things your way and of course you know for any um, you know filmmakers out there you know, I mean uh, resources like Sonic Cinema are are great mm-hmm. not only just for the Hollywood films but for you know all films and uh, and I and again just thank you for uh, for you know being great all of these years. Oh no problem. Oh you know thank you very much for saying me. Uh, all the all the films you've sent me, and I I always enjoy, I always enjoy watching them, and uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to the uh, ones in the future. Absolutely, I'll send them as they're ready. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you very much, Brian. This has been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I'd like to thank Tim once again for uh, appearing on the Sonic Cinema podcast. It was like I said, it was good to put voice with a. Uh, with an email after all these years, and uh, several of his movies include Total Performance, Mail Time, Hellbent, uh, Dirty Books, Socks and Cakes, um, It's Not You, as well as many, many others. You can search for those reviews on www.sonic-cinema.com. 
And thank you very much, Tim, once again. And uh, keep the movies coming. And uh, for now, this is Brian Scuttle saying goodbye for the Sonic Cinema podcast. Until next time.